William Wales Brown, the subject of this narrative, was born a slave in Lexington, Kentucky, not far from the residence of the late Honorable Henry Clay. His mother was the slave of Dr. John Young. His father was a slaveholder, and, besides being a near relation of his master, was connected with the Wickleaf family, one of the oldest, wealthiest, and most aristocratic of the Kentucky planters. Dr. Young was the owner of forty or fifty slaves, whose chief employment was in cultivating tobacco, hemp, corn, and flax. The doctor removed from Lexington, when William was five or six years old, to the state of Missouri, and commenced farming in a beautiful and fertile valley within a mile of the Missouri River. Here the slaves were put to work under a harsh and cruel overseer named Cook. A finer situation for a farm could not have been selected in the state. With climate favorable to agriculture and soil rich, the products came in abundance. At an early age, William was separated from his mother, she being worked in the field, and he as a servant in his master's medical department. When about ten years of age, the young slave's feelings were much hurt at hearing the cries of his mother while being flogged by the Negro driver for being a few minutes behind the other hands in reaching the field. He heard her cry, Oh, pray! Oh, pray! Oh, pray! These are the words which slaves generally utter when imploring mercy at the hands of their oppressors. The son heard it, though he was some way off. He heard the crack of the whip and the groans of his poor mother. The cold chill ran over him, and he wept aloud. But he was a slave like his mother and could render her no assistance. He was taught by the most bitter experience that nothing could be more heartrending than to see a dear and beloved mother or sister tortured by unfeeling men, and to hear her cries, and not be able to render the least aid. When William was twelve years of age, his master left his farm and took up his residence near St. Louis. The doctor, having more hands than he wanted for his own use, William was let out to a Mr. Freeland, an innkeeper. Here the young slave found himself in the hands of a most cruel and heartless master. Freeland was one of the real chivalry of the South. Besides being himself a slaveholder, he was a horse racer, cockfighter, gambler, and to crown the whole, an inveterate drunkard. What else but bad treatment could be expected from such a character? After enduring the tyrannical and inhuman usage of this man for five or six months, William resolved to stand it no longer, and therefore ran away, like other slaves who leave their masters, owing to severe treatment, and not knowing where to flee, the young fugitive went into the forest a few miles from St. Louis. He had been in the woods but a short time when he heard the barking and howling of dogs, and was soon satisfied that he was pursued by the negro dogs, and aware of their ferocious nature, the fugitive climbed a tree to save himself from being torn to pieces. The hounds were soon at the trunk of the tree, and remained there, howling and barking, until those in whose charge they were came up. The slave was ordered down, tied, and taken home. Immediately on his arrival there, he was, as he expected, tied up in the smokehouse, and whipped till Freeland was satisfied, and then smoked with tobacco stems. This the slaveholder called Virginia Play. After being well whipped and smoked, he was again set to work. 
William remained with this monster a few months longer, and was then led out to Elijah P. Lovejoy, who years after became the editor of an abolition newspaper, and was murdered at Alton, Illinois, by a mob of slaveholders from the adjoining state of Missouri. The system of letting out slaves is one among the worst of the evils of slavery. The man who hires a slave looks upon him in the same light as does the man who hires a horse for a limited period. He feels no interest in him, only to get the worth of his money. Not so with the man who owns the slave. He regards him as so much property of which care should be taken. After being let out to a steamer as an understeward, William was hired by James Walker, a slave trader. Here, the subject of our memoir was made superintendent of the gangs of slaves that were taken to the New Orleans market. In this capacity, William had opportunities, far greater than most slaves, of acquiring knowledge of the different phases of the peculiar institution. Walker was a Negro speculator, who was amassing a fortune by trading in the bones, blood, and nerves of God's children. The thoughts of such a traffic causes us to exclaim with the poet, Is there not some chosen curse, some hidden thunder in the stores of heaven, red with uncommon wrath, to blast the man who gains his fortune from the blood of souls?